Greetings, keyboard people, and thanks for tuning in to the very first episode of the More Keys, Please podcast. My name is Thomas Kokonos, and I'll be your host. At this point, I have a couple episodes in the bag, but have chosen the Patrick Kelly interview as our debut. Patrick Kelly has toured all around the world with Houston-based group The Suffers. They are phenomenal. You need to check them out. My conversation with Pat was phenomenal as well. He has tons of touring experience, a lot of insight on gear and keeping everything portable. Uh, It was wonderful that he uh, gave his precious time between tours to come over to my house and let me make coffee for him and interrogate him with my ridiculous questions about keyboards and the music world. Really hope you guys enjoy this show. Uh, A little bit about the show, a little bit about me, and then we'll move on. I am a keyboard player now for about 10 years in the Houston area. I still consider myself a beginner. Uh, I'm just super curious and like to strike up as many conversations as possible with keyboard players, organ players, piano players, you name it. But anyway, uh, I don't have any sponsors, so let's move right into this show. Can you hear yourself? Check, 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 check. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. It works. Yeah. All right. We got Pat Kelly. I met Pat at a uh, at a show that we were doing. It was at Rudyard's. Rudyard's. You, you came up to me and introduced yourself. And you said, hey, do you mind moving your shit? <laughs> it's on the dance floor. No, I said I wanted to make sure that you knew it was there because I, didn't, I don't know. I just didn't want to move it without, you know. It was great. I was playing with somebody. I and, just didn't You know, I just didn't want it to get messed up. <laughs> in hindsight, I'm glad it was there, though. Because yeah. I, I may not have met you that night. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, we've been keeping in touch since then. Yeah. Pat Trick is the keyboard player for The Suffers. They are, I'd say, Houston's most prominent band at the moment. I, I, and that's I, my opinion. Well, okay. I've, I've fallen in love with you guys just listening to you, especially well, after, after we met. And... Uh, I mean, how could you, you know, you turn on the song Good Day, and yeah, how could, how could you can. not have a good day? And especially, you know, the fact that I love reggae, yeah. that helps. And you, you guys are rooted in reggae, right? So that's the way we started, for sure. Um, a lot of us played in other groups. I was a drummer, is, is my main sort of instrument. So I'm sort of new at, like, being a keyboard player, like, especially in a professional sense. So um, when... The idea came up between myself and and Adam, the bass player. Um, It was to start something as sort of a side project that was specifically going to be reggae covers of things that weren't necessarily reggae songs. So pop songs, kind of like in the sense of um, the artist I'm trying to think of that does it. Um, Anyway. um, UB40? No. no, Well, I mean, UB40 would be one, but I'm thinking more like... uh, uh, it'll it'll come to me, um, but the idea was to like, you know, you're two minutes into a song and you're like, oh shit, that's uh that's a you know Backstreet Boys song or whatever. I mean, we didn't go that wild yeah, with yeah. it, but the idea was to do something like that, 
And also because me being a percussionist and a drummer professionally, but at the same time, like even on some of the Scarnales records that we were playing, uh, that we were recording, you know, previous to that point, I was like playing like piano tracks because maybe somebody wasn't in the studio mm-hmm. to, to, to do whatever they needed to do because they were running them late. And it would just be like, well, you got a piano that we can mic up because I'm going to lay some piano on this track because I was writing a lot for them. And, and then even there's Bandulus, which we're doing a show with Bandulus like when oh, wow. they started putting their stuff out and started recording, you know, even though I was like in there to be a drummer, there was like a, definitely a keyboard track that I could like kind of fall in and do. And so I was also starting to write a lot at home, uh, I was teaching music, and so before my classes would start, I was always at a piano and just kind of like coming up with ideas and things like yeah. that in a creative way at the piano, but everything was always sort of rooted in reggae. And so when we wanted to start the group, I said I would much rather be singing and playing keys as some sort of challenge and as well as like a fun thing for me because like being, you know, when you're a professional drummer and then playing in other bands as a drummer begins to feel like work, then it, for me, it felt like it was a time for me to do something that was like a challenging and also like out of my comfort zone to like challenge myself to only be better at what I was already doing. So the whole idea with the suffers coming about was to do, like I said, reggae covers, but in a pop style. So we like did Bobby Brown songs and we did David Bowie things. And when we started, it was the set would be 90% covers with one little original that would come in. And then the next show would be like, okay, so there's two more originals that come in. And they were definitely at the beginning in the vein of like reggae and rock steady. Wow. We always wanted to start like some of the first shows we did at Rudyard's were like, I remember we, put things out that were ready, steady, rock, steady, you know, like, you know, type shows. And this is kind of like the vibe we went. And we just kind of went, you know, a whole different direction because, you know, we never put a label or like put a ceiling on what we needed to do or whatever. And so, but that's still something that is just like in everybody. And it's like, what we always come back to, especially me. So, And your name is rooted in reggae, right? From the rockers. Movie rockers, rockers, yeah. the sufferers. I and I yeah. suffer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. I, I, I'd heard that before. I just, uh... Yeah, it was one of those like well, we had already been rehearsing, and I remember our original drummer Bobby Bob Limos uh, played in Indigenous, which is still oh, around. Yeah. So he was in Indigenous, and he and he um, um, and I had always been good friends, and so when we started the group, he was, he was part of the group. And I remember sitting at my apartment at the time with him and we were watching rockers and we were already in that moment where like, we knew that we had a show coming up. So maybe we should get a Facebook page, you know what I mean? Or maybe we should like, it was definitely Facebook. It wasn't all the way back to MySpace, but, um, but we're going to need a name as well. So there's like, you know, you know, when you play in bands, I don't know about you, but I definitely have friends that like have a running list of like, you know, you, you have a conversation and you're like, oh, that sounds like a good band name. Put it on the list. Um, and they end up just being stupid and silly. And so uh, he and I were watching Rockers one night. And the scene comes up where he's you know, trying to buy his own records to go sell. He's like, I and I, you know, I'm a sufferer. Come on, help me out. And I was like, man, sufferers, man, that would be a really good name. So we were the sufferers for a minute. We even played a show or two as the sufferers. And it just is too much on the tongue. And so we just kind of decided to shorten suffers. it. Yeah, yeah, suffers. 
Yeah, it messes with your head a little bit too. It suffers. Yeah, well, and we've been called every, I mean, the duffers, the surfers is the best (laughs) one. You know, when you go like travel places and your like stickers up, like our sticker, our original sticker, which is just simple block lettering, you know, of the suffers, like has been manipulated the most of most stickers that I see out on the road. Like ours is the one like people just love to like you know, make it into some other different name, which is fine. At least people are paying attention to yeah. it, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah. If they're making fun of it, uh, they're, it's getting exposure, you know? So that's, it's better than them not noticing it at all. Yeah. So this was around 2010 that you started putting all this Something together. like that. 2010, it sounds about right. Yeah. And then 11 was like the big launch. Kind of when we then... started, it was like, I, yeah, July of 2011 is when we kind of played our first show at, um, whatever is right above, continental club um i don't know why i'm like you putting me on the spot i'm like can't think of things um anyway play a really tiny place really tiny places whatever is above like you know where breakfast club and everything is okay. uh, it was called anyway we always make jokes about it and i yeah. can't even think about it now. anyway we played it at a really tiny place and indigenous actually played the show with us uh, and Pistoleros, which is Rob Rodriguez, accordion player, played with Scarnales and everybody. Um, and it was kind of right around the time. The only reason it becomes like a special date for us is because uh, there's several people in the band that all have birthdays kind of around the same time, June and July. And so it was like a big birthday party, you know? So we were going to have people there anyway because it was somebody's birthday. But I can't tell you how many people like I come across uh, to this day that are like super proud that they were at that first, you know, show that yeah, we yeah. did, you know. Um, and they should be. Yeah. But, you know, here we are all this time later. And, you know, the band has just evolved into something, something you know, great and different. And it's always kind of changing, which is, like, exciting as a, you know, musician, you know, especially somebody like myself who's always kind of, like, learning at the instrument, you know, that I'm you know, at now. Right. And it is Houston. I mean, your music is is Houston in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. It's a blend. I wouldn't even know how to describe it because there's so many influences yeah. mixed well, in together. Well, and that's the thing that was beautiful about the way the group came together. You know, like when Adam and I started talking about it, like we were at a point where let's find people that we a appreciate as a musician. I mean, obviously you want to play with like great players, but I've played with great players that aren't necessarily the best kind of person you know what i mean Mm. necessarily so the big important thing and that's why we can still tour and when we have an issue we try and like work it out you know what i mean like let's talk it out let's hug it out if we need to you're huge how how many people Uh, we started with 10 and we're now eight wow but we were all sort of friends first you know that was a big important thing with how that came about we didn't like put ads out of like hey we're starting this thing and we need a sax player and a this and this and this and it ended up like you know there was a small core of people that kind of started the thing and you know we've kind of evolved as time has gone on but there were definitely like people that kind of came into the mix like choppy for example that plays percussion he was somebody that kind of like came in and he was like hey i want to play this gig with you guys is that cool <laughs> you know and we're like yeah you know and as a percussionist he can just kind of like roll in and like yeah. do his thing but then it's like man i really feel like that should be there all the time you know and it's already somebody that i played with and worked with and everybody's kind of like been around so you know it's a very organic way that 
everything kind of came together that's, for sure. It's incredible. Sure. It's incredible having eight friends, let alone eight friends that play music that you can you mm -hmm. know, spend time with. Mm -hmm. and, for sure. And, uh, and I'm sure write with, I'm sure mm -hmm. you spend a lot of time writing with these. Did you have a structured writing a so, routine or everything kind of, again, we're, we're kind of like a growing group. And, um, so when we did the first record, um, a, a lot of the things that started as originals because we were a cover band at first at that time, I was writing a ton of stuff like on my own, that was like kind of my own thing. And it would be on a, on a, on a lot of it was just garage band. And, and what I would do is I'd go in and I would play like six drum tracks. You know, I'd play like a steppers and I'd play a rock steady and I'd play a whatever, you know, or like a, you know, a Sly and Robbie type thing, whatever. And I would just have these tracks that were drum tracks. And then I would kind of build everything else on my own, kind of like for a fun thing for myself. I mean, there was a lot of stuff I was going through like personally at the time. Yeah. So it was just like a creative outlet for myself. Uh, I was living on my own, uh, you know, super single and like, just kind of like super trying single. to, yeah, trying <laughs> to be creative. And, uh, like some of the things I would do would like be to like play, you know, I'd, I'd sit with my hands on the, on the floor and play all the bass parts, you know, on, on the organ, you know, oh, so you, you had know, a B3 like, at your disposal. Well, it was, a, I, I want to say it was a Baldwin, like kind of like churchy or oh, okay. with the Trans fun machine, you know, the organ. fun machine with like the tape deck that you could like play a tape, you know, play along with it. So that was oh, okay. like other stuff I would do. Like I'd, I'd make a track and then like put it onto tape yeah, yeah and yeah. then play the tape through the organ and like over play the dub. organ over, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so I just had, that. I had track after track after track after track or track of the stuff and a lot of it was sort of reggae based, but not necessarily all of it. And so I would just start to introduce that in to whatever we were doing. And so in the onset, it was a lot of me writing and then um, there may have been something already there. And so there was definitely that kind of going on. But as we did that, we we also realized that there was a fair amount of like us just jamming in the room and just turning on a phone and then listening to it the next day going, Oh man, even though we jam for like six minutes, there's like a good two minutes of this mm -hmm. at work. You know what I mean? So then we would take pieces of that and say, okay, I think we could create something around that. Um, even, you know, at that time, if I was to come in with an idea and our, our guitar player, who's no longer with us, but Nick's brother, um, Alex, Zamora, he would come in with an idea or he was writing a lot. He's did a lot of hip hop production and stuff. So, and still does. Um, if he was to come in with an idea, because you have eight, 10 at the time, even ideas and 10 people that come from very different backgrounds. I mean, we have jazz, Latin, whatever. And playing in Los Carnales is really important for a lot of us because that's also the type of band that's like, maybe we should try this. And you don't ever shoot it down. You try it. And if it sucks, then it sucks. You know what I mean? Um, so we were kind of from that mindset as well. So there was a lot of a skeleton of something that came in. And then it ended up like becoming something different. So it's really interesting. I mean, we have like, you know how this goes probably, but um, just file after file after file after file of things that you like go back and you're like, Oh, here's a little thing from like 2012. of us like jamming yeah. at Francisco studios. And it's like, you're like, Oh wow. That's, 
XYZ song that's on a record, you know, like that ended up becoming something completely different. Like, so our first track on our first record is Make Some Room. And my original version of Make Some Room has like all these like spacey, like very garage bandy, like like kind of keyboard things and just full on like 808 drums, you know, but all the chord changes are there to the tune, especially in the chorus versions of it. And so like going back into it and listening to it and going, wow, man, this is just like to see where something becomes like we never, it's rare that I or anyone that is writing something comes in and says, this is the way the tune goes. And the vocals are like this, you know, Cam is very, Cam is very um, in charge of the vocal aspect of things. I mean, she loves to, she, not necessarily that she has to write everything or anything like that. She's very open to anyone ideas or whatever, but she's very uh, aware and, and, and good at this is what I want vocally. And I have something to say about said subject, you know, right. that she's writing about tons of emotion. We've also recently been able to do some co-writing, which has been great. So the second record that we did uh, the first record was uh, everything was all us. And where was that recorded? So the first record we did, um, several of the tracks uh, were done at, at the at the very famous and and uh, historic at this point Los Carnales Studio at uh, Francisco Studios. Really, first floor. It's been there for ages. Is it still there? No, it's still there. We're on the second floor. Okay, so. They're there. Okay. If you're walking in on McKinney, you could probably hear them re record, you know, oh, okay, rehearsing, yeah. whatever. So a bunch of bands have kind of been through that and they have a huge room. And so it's a nice big open space. And you know, you know how rehearsal spaces go probably. It's like, if you're going to try and record something, there are times of the day that you want to do it. So I remember going in at like nine in the morning on a Wednesday or something like that and having to like call into work to go record drums, keys, bass, all that kind of like basic stuff. Uh, for some of the beginning tracks and we did that there and then we overdubbed at Nick's house in the Heights uh, a lot of the horn parts and things like that we also went into Wire Road okay. and did a couple tracks at Wire Road and then half the record at least is at Church House Recordings which is in Austin, Texas mm. right by the Sahara Lounge uh, east side of Austin um, beautiful studio used to be an old church um, so it has big open live room and, uh, Dave Boyle who runs the place is a keyboard player. So he's got tons of great key gear and he really wanted to push us. He had seen us play a couple times and he really wanted us to do everything live. And so he was like, you know, so half the record is things that we had kind of come into that place doing. And he ended up mixing some of that stuff after the fact and having Cam redo some vocals. And he's really good with getting things out. Of, of a group as a, as a producer and, 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 and an engineer. And so he really pr pushed us to take the idea of let's do it live. Take the time to get everything set up the right way mm -hmm. so that the horns are in the right, right place in the room. And if it's too loud, I'll have the trumpet move back. You know, that old school kind of like that tone even does, does it that way nowadays. And a lot of the coal mine bands and things like that are doing this like live recording thing. So he pushed us to do that, which was great. And then you can like just say, okay, this take or this take, you know, and everybody, you know, votes on one or the other. And there's like a fair amount of like 
man, I wish that I played that part a little better or whatever. The imperfections of it are what become like what's great about it. And he wouldn't let you punch in? No, he he was always like, (laughs) let's get away from it with like heavy ears and come back to it when we have fresh ears. You know what I mean? You might feel feel better about it. Come back tomorrow. Um, uh, So he really pushed us to do it that way. And uh, so, you know, that, that's what we ended up putting out, and that we ended up putting out an EP. And that's kind of around the time we played Letterman, and and and, and then a year later, so 2016 is when we put that out, um, all on our own, no label. No who nothing. mastered it? Uh, who did we have master it? I can't remember who mastered it. I think it was uh, Salt. So in, in New York, I can't think of the okay. guy's name. Because if if I can play something on Spotify on my iPhone, Bluetooth through my shitty car stereo, and it sounds good, and the vocals pop out, I know it's been mastered well. And like yeah. I've, I've been listening to the album, and it's like compared to what I did for us recently, it's just it just shines. Well, so. there were even funny things about that record and the way that Dave Boyle does his thing, like like make some room is a full on mono mix, you know, and he had sent us stereo, he had sent us stereo mix, or at least that track, he had oh. sent us stereo mix after stereo mix, and he was like, he just kind of threw one in, and that's the one that everybody liked, and after everybody was like, that's the one we want, he was like, by the way, you know, I dumbed this down, you know, to, to make it this sort of way, and I was like, okay, well, exactly like you're saying, if it works, it works. So when we went to go make the second record, um, you know, by that point we had been touring and playing and all that sort of stuff. And, and, uh, we went in to record, uh, everything here. We did it at 226, uh, recordings, which is on, uh, in the Heights, 19th street, um, right by boom, uh, boomtown. Okay. Um, and, uh, we did it a little differently, you know, where we didn't feel like we needed to be all together in the room at one time we picked a room that we felt comfortable in um it's also a little different when you are when we're playing as a band full time you know i we can go in on a tuesday at 10 in the morning you know and it's not a big deal right right. it isn't like adjusting schedules the way like the first record was where everybody's still working you know at whatever jobs they're working in, you only have this amount of time and like we have to do this amount of songs. So this time around was a little different. It's like we could space out how we did things and go, okay, we're going to work on this. We're going to bring this person in. But even leading up in the songwriting process, uh, we had solicited to some friends a few, you know, tracks that we say, okay, well, let's work together. You know, and I, I did a lot of writing and other people did a lot of writing as well. Um, so that was a like breath of fresh air in a sense of, you know, when, when you're on tour all the time and you're playing like set after set, you know, night after night after night, you're kind of playing like a similar thing and you're, you're like, you're branding your, yourself as the sufferers. You're like doing your thing and going in to record the second time, um, especially from my feel of it it was great because i was able to like reach out and go okay i don't feel like i have to play only this patch on the keyboard and it has to be an organ part here like i was able to play way more piano stuff since things like that that are like brand new to me i mean i'm a guy who like goes okay it should either be piano or Rhodes Worley and organ. You okay, know what I mean? I, like I'm very simple in my my idea 
come from a reggae background. That's kind of the way I am. And so this time around, it was like really nice to go, okay, well, what if I, you know, let me, let me jack around with this move over here for a minute. You know what I mean? Like, let's see what I can do, you know? So at that time you weren't comfortable on a Moog? No, no, I'm Moog, still, Moog. I'm still not Moog. I still Moog. don't know if it's Moog it's or Moog. Moog. It's Moog. We went to Moog in Nashville. You it did? Was, yeah, it was awesome, man. It was like a really, yeah. really good time. They took us on a little tour, man. It was, it was rad. I'm um, not comfortable with the monophonic. Yeah, you know, it's just I'm used to being able to make triads and yeah, no, 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 I, I understand completely. And any yeah. anything that I have to like, you know, plugging things in here and there, the whole modular like stuff is like all new to me. But it's you know, so Zeke Listenby um, was one of the producers that we worked with, and he he helped with some writing and definitely with some of like the song arranging. He would come in and he was he would say, well, you know, this this works or this doesn't work or, or why don't you try it this way or this is rad, you know, type stuff. But he is a monster keyboard player. Ah. And so, especially on organ and piano, I mean, he's just a fantastic player. Is it intimidating? Of course it is, you know? And at first, it's sort of like, you know, I've had some conversations with some people recently where you're like, you know, you hear somebody play and you're just like, man, I just want to give up. Like, what's, what's the point? And then, you know, that's kind of how I felt about him was, man, this guy is just like, um, he's all over it, man. You know, I, I can't, I can't play like him. I can't think like him, but he had a very good way about saying, Hey, you don't think like that. You know what I mean? All I'm doing is this like thing and be able to like break it down. That doesn't mean that I'm going to go sit at the organ and play exactly like he can play or like, you know, some crazy chord substitution things that he just it's just natural to him that to me it's like break it down for me you know i'm used to seeing it on page or i have to think about it a different way um but having him there in the room as an ear was also really good because it was like well you know i don't know if that's the right sound you know there were even things that i would play midi in just to have a part in there and then we would kind of go back and say okay well you know, that part exists in the track, but it really should be piano or it really should be okay. a Wurlitzer or it really should be a Rhodes or it really should be, you know, some patch on, so a, on a different keyboard. MIDI into the DAW and, and, yeah, and just to kind of a placeholder. That's for, so far away from anything I've ever wanted to do right, or done, right. but because it was there and it's easy because you're working in a studio, it's like, okay, if, if we're going to start working on the song and we're all sitting in a control room with, you know, like, so there was one particular uh, tune on the record um, that the, the, the writer of the song that was a very simple acoustic thing is in the room. And we had already kind of worked something out that we thought was like a good thing when you're all sitting in there and there's this just like MIDI controller there. You know, so it's like, well, it makes more sense for me to actually be in the space where everybody's at, right, right. as opposed to going to lock myself up in a in a booth and not be in the circle of where the creativity is going to happen. Oh, like a booth with an actual acoustic instrument, like yeah, a piano booth. Yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, like, that was great for me to be able to do this time. As simple as it is, it's it's just something that um, was a little different this time around in the way that we definitely like track things out. Now there's a lot of things that, you know, happen live or that get rehearsed to a place where it's like, okay, now we're going to go in and record it, which is a little different than, you know, when you 
you know, when you're making, when we made our first record, you know, it's like we were playing, you know, you have band practices on Tuesday night at so-and-so's house or at Francisco Studios or whatever, and you play a gig here and there, and you've been playing these, like, 10 songs for two fucking years yeah, at that point. So you're ready to roll yeah. when you go in. It's totally different when it's like, here's this new baby that I have, and I don't know what the right part is, you know, yet. Yeah. So having another ear in the room of a guy who's like, you know, that that feels like that piano patch doesn't really fit because this song feels like it should have like an 80s, you know, like Doogie Howser keyboard kind of like feel Whoa. to it just because the rest of like what's going on is what should be there. So having another ear to kind of help guide with some of the things that we did on that record was like beautiful for me even though at first was like super intimidating, you know, I'm used to being on the teacher side of things, especially being, you know, a drummer. So learning how to be the student side of it with other people is something that I've had, you know, to kind of get used to, you know, as I'm, as I'm going along. But once I've like kind of embraced that, it's fantastic you know, to have another, person to like come in and say hey you know this is whatever you know oh, so all, nice. all it does is like allow me to be able to like do that for somebody else and that's what i'm trying to do here yeah. it's i've been looking for years for resources for keyboard players and it's almost like you just have to jump into the fire just be in a band and play on stage and learn from your mistakes and uh you know I've, times when things fail are the times when you learn and i think it's nice to be able to talk to guys who play a lot especially you, know, you touring all the time and uh you know discuss what you're using on stage what you avoid using because it hasn't worked in the past and yeah. tricks yeah. that get you through gigs so everything on the album was was organic right the, all the instruments they were acoustic the latest album um there's a few synth uh stuff that i there were there's a couple little synth things that i did um uh, there's there's a synth bass track or two in there, and then there's some uh, Moog stuff in there as well. But there's it's a lot of Whirly and Rhodes piano and, and real organ. B3, real real B3. organ. And you're able to represent all this on stage on your tour. Yeah, I mean, in an ideal in an ideal world, I wouldn't be rolling with two Nords, but I love the Nords. So break down your rig. I love. So I've got an Electro Four. And an Electro 5. Okay. Um, that I run simultaneously just because even though I can split split one, I just like to be able to have, for a lot of times, my my I play stacks. So my top one is typically my organ. And that's your 4 or your 5? My 5. So you, you notice I like the to, difference between the 5 and the 4 organ? I like, I like to have the 5 with the draw bars because I play outside. Uh. So when you play outside and you're on a four or four or anything less that only have the the lights and you're in the sun, it sucks. Oh, so yeah. that's a, that's a it, it's just nice to be able to like grab them, of course, and touch them. And so th that's the that I don't want to say that's the only thing, but that is a drawback to the Nords is that you know you gotta like kind of cycle through moving you know draw bars when when a lot of times when you're playing organ, like I'm on the draw bars all the time yeah you, know, you need to I grab just, them real I, quick. I love to be able to like and there's different you know how there's different places in different parts of the song that you know i want 
you know, them built a certain way. And it's just much easier to grab them and move them that way. Of course. And a lot of times my lower keyboard will be my pianos and my electrics. And they're both, uh, are they both, are any, either one of them hammer action? They are both waterfall. They're both waterfall. So you play yeah. piano on a waterfall. Yeah. And you're, you're fine with that? Or? No. No. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the ball game. This is something you and I've spoken about. Um, uh, I, I'm in the ball game of getting back to having a weighted keyboard as my piano and, and road stuff. Um, because again, and this all kind of has to do with the difference between the record we made as, you know, on the first record and the second record on, as, as we've grown as a band and playing more and more, um, different styles and, and kind of moved around as a band, I play way more piano and I and and not having the action there does suck, you know, for me. Yeah. But the minuscule amount of that it becomes to a part of my show, you know, it, right, it, right. It, it, it's still like okay. And I ended up playing, you know, when we started as a reggae group, so I was playing organ so much. That's why I love to have the waterfall. You know, so it sucks to play organ on weighted keys. Yeah. But, you know, the piano, the drawbacks of the piano on, on something that's waterfall are not weighted. You know, of course, it doesn't it doesn't feel the same way. So I'm in the game of getting into just a straight up like workstation type <laughs> serious. Yeah. Just to have with me again, because I'm on the road so much. Yeah. So. Even, to me, it's like sort of like a cheesy thing to have out on stage, and I've kind of been anti that. Like, it, my ideal thing would be able to have, you know, a real piano, a Rhodes, or a Whirly, and a real organ everywhere right. I went. Um, but the beautiful thing about these, like, you know, the Tritons and all that kind of stuff is that they're like, they're fully functional. Like, if you're in a hotel room and you don't have anything to do for like a day, like you can really work on those bad boys, you know what yeah. I mean? And like do serious stuff on them. So I have a feeling that I'm going to get back into like having something like that eventually down the line. I'm just kind of like putting, <laughs> putting it off because I still, I still like the comfort and the lightness and yeah. you know, I'm, I, I like to keep things simple. You know, the whole idea, one of the reasons I wanted to be a keyboard and a player in a band is not only because I wanted the challenge and I wanted to do something different is I was tired of carrying shit around, man, being a drummer and having to carry all that. Oh, yeah. and I was a, I was a classical percussionist. So I was moving timpani and chimes ah. and marimbas and all that shit. So, um, being able to like walk in with a Nord on your back was like well Nords and, Nords allow you to do that. Yep. Are you using sixty one or seventy? Uh, I'm using the no no I'm, I'm using sixty one. So dual sixty ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you sum them up yourself? Or you give them both the front of house. Uh, they both go to front of house. Okay. So so the front of house engineer. Yeah. Stereo mixes front of house. Do you tour with any engineers? We do. You do. Lauren Oaks uh, is our front of house engineer. And she, you also have a monitor engineer? So we run monitors on our own. You do? Yeah, we got a Midas board that that and 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 we kind of mix everything um on our phones. So you split everything and then you give one one signal group to front of house and yes. then you, you yes. do the other ones yeah. yourself. Yeah. So you're using in ears or wedges? So mm, we're like half and half. I use in ears. I don't carry an amp. There's hardly any keys on stage. Wow. It's kind of one of those things that as a keyboard player doing doing what I do um, 
and watching a lot of bands on the road, it's, it's something that we talk about as a band because I feel like when we play certain gigs, especially when we play festivals, I've pushed to make sure that the side fills when we play at festivals have a mix in them that's just a general, like whatever's going to the front of house should be in side fills uh-huh. because a lot of people end up paying money or you got like your people who are in bands that are standing next to the stage. So for, you know, you come to see us or you standing next to me, there's no, like I have horns in front of me. They have a little bit of keys, but I have, I mean, I'm in ears. So there's like no keys like right there. So somebody feels like they're getting like the rad ticket and what they're hearing is like, drums and horns that's know? such a good point i've never thought about the guys up in the rafters that that are paying premium dollars or, for those. or they're the people in other groups you yeah. know like you know what i mean like myself yeah. i mean when we play festivals Impressed. that's the beautiful thing about playing festivals is you get to go watch some badass band from the side of the stage you know i always tell a story i saw foo fighters the first year we were touring touring i saw foo fighters in uh hangout fest which is in yeah Florabama. It's always know. around my birthday. Uh, redneck, never, never redneck, made it. Redneck Riviera, baby. <laughs> um, it's a great festival. Um, and I saw Foo Fighters from the side of the stage. I weaseled my way in there somehow. And all you can, like, they have amps on stage. They all play through pods. And all you can hear is drums when you're side stage. You can't hear shit because they're all in ears are they micing the amps or are they just the for amps show? are just for show bro so they're going direct at in. least the show i saw yeah. i can't speak on behalf of you know whatever but there's a lot of it weezer is like that when i've seen weezer it's way better well anybody i tell you it's always better to see a band from in front of the band than next to the stage but that the- is that is a drawback being a keyboard player when you're like fuck it's great i don't have to bring an amp anymore but then you think about like something like what we're talking about it's just strange to like even have to like think about or talk about because it sounds great in my ears i shouldn't have to worry about it but it is one of those things where it's like you never know maybe like the head honcho of freaking you know whatever major record label comes to see you and and you know you know it's It's like it's a struggle it's like something is it worth you know, having to have some sort of mix and actually putting a monitor there that's not for anybody in the band. Just for people that may for be present. Somebody else. And you know the head honcho is not factoring that into his equation. Yeah. He's expecting, he, he's going to judge the show based off of what he hears. Yeah. So I've never thought about side film mixes for people who would be on the side of the stage. Right. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's something like... We've talked about it at length because I just feel like it's really important. But, you know, of course, side fills a lot of times need to be there for um, people who aren't in ears. So in our band, uh, our horns still use wedges. Our guitar player uses a wedge. Um, But everyone else is on ears. So bass, drums. So the bass player, Adam, he has an amp up there and he plays. It's rarely on. What do you mean an amp? Like a so he's got his cab. He's got his cab up on stage and his you know amp out there, and he never turns the the speaker. Like nothing comes through. Wait, you said the bass player, the drummer, bass player. Oh, the I was thinking the drummer. So it's there. It's there. You know, same thing with like Foo Fighters. I mean, he's playing through his rig, but there's no reason for him to really have it on stage. And a part of our sensitivity with that sort of stuff is because of how strong our vocalist is and especially with touring and playing every day taking care and horn players 
taking care of her voice and horn players taking care of their their embouchures are are really important. So for her to not have to oversing, and I you know I have to sing every night too, to not have to oversing because something's too loud, you know, has become a really strong part of our stage show. You know, we've we've had to like figure out what's the best placement for everybody on stage as well. For me, yeah. it doesn't. I can stand anywhere. You know why? So I don't have a name. You don't make any noise. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, but we've had to like move, you know, especially having a full on percussionist and drums and the whole nine. Like bands always set up in a way where the drummer has to be where? In the center. In the middle, in the back, yep, yep. right? And then the singer goes where? Right in front of the drum. And where is their microphone pointed? The straight singer's at the, microphone's at the straight drums. Straight at the drums. And so, yep. you know, we've kind of like figured out, and it, when you start watching, when you think about it that way, I know I'm not like trying to insult you, but the way that you think, if you think about it that way and you watch somebody like, I don't know, pick a singer, Mary J. Blige, yeah. Lauren Hill, let's go for it. Erica Badu, All right. pick one. If you watch their stage shows, the drummer is never right behind them. Brilliant. They're always kind of like spaced out in a way where they're more comfortable on stage because of that, you know, that all kind of then ties back into what we were originally talking about with like side fills for like people watching the show because then too say you have people that come watch a show and the drums are all stage left which is kind of how we set up now and there have been several groups that we've toured with so say you're you know i'm the a and r guy at capital records right and i come to see you know them at a show your drummer's all on one side and they're standing right behind the drummer. They're just stuck with that, you know? But the singer that's standing in the middle of the stage, not only is, is he having a more pre- pleasurable show because he's like able to like, you know, hear himself and yeah. not have to like oversing, you know? So there's like kind of a, a factor that goes in there. Me as a coming from a drummer's place, even with my ears, I tend to, especially when we play outside, I tend to pull one out a lot of times oh, really? because I want to feel the room. I want to feel what's going on. And, I, and acoustically, I like to hear, um, for, for my singing too, I like to acoustically hear the horns and some yeah. of the other instruments to make sure that my intonation is in the right spot. I was going to ask you too, do you have ambient mics to no. pick up the crowd? None. No. Well, it depends. I mean, like sometimes, you know, the show will have it there, but we don't, we don't set our, our rig up that way. And, and also do you, don't they make in-ears to where they pick up ambience? Yes. Is, yes. Are yours like that? No. I'm assuming you have custom molds. I don't. You don't? I don't. What do you use? I use, uh, it's a, their, their fender ears, uh, is something that they, I, I don't know if they're out yet or not, but they're, um, they were kind of given to us as a as a promo deal. So hmm. both both our guitar player and a bass player are like Fender guys, and uh, they sent us all these like you know, kind of these are gonna come out. Check these out, and they're I like them. There are things that I do and don't like about them. The thing I do like about them is that they're bass heavy. The thing I don't like about them is that they're bass heavy. You know, so for example, if I'm if when I'm listening to music with them, they sound uh, one way. But with my keyboards, there are parts of the instrument that will overdrive, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on in, in, in the in the in the headphones. So um, uh, I've used the Shures, you know. I just am not to a place yet where I'm like 
feel like I need to like go spend the two grand on on custom molds just was, for me. What was the leap like going from wedges to in ears? Because I've never played with in ears. Fantastic, man. I, I I feel like it would be very hard. I uh um of course again as a as a percussionist in Houston, I played at, at Theater Under the Stars for 10, 11 years. And so there were definitely shows that would come through where things had to run on a click and things had to run, you know, on ears. So I was like semi-comfortable as a percussionist doing it that way. Um, as a keyboard player, and again, this uh, this all kind of ties together because me being a drummer, again, like I've said, I, I kind of like to feel the room and I like to feel, you know, stuff so that the pocket is the right way. Um, and so I was a little hesitant to go to ears because I was so used to the wedge. My wedge was becoming an issue for everyone else in the band because I couldn't, I, there was never, an, we were playing small enough stages to where it was always in a way, it was always too loud, yeah. you know, or I couldn't get it to where it was pointed the way that I wanted because of, because of space. And you have keys I'm, in your way. I got, it's pointed at the bottom of my keyboard yeah, yeah. and, or, or all I'm getting is the tweet, you know, I'm not, I'm getting only highs and not any, you know, um, it's a struggle when we switched over. Um, it was like life changing as far as, the band went for me because I could hear everything I wanted. I could I could make my keys as loud as I wanted, and wow. nobody could say anything about it. So again, even with me pulling one out a lot of times, I can adjust to where my keys are a little hotter. You know, if I'm only yeah. hearing them the one way, which I love. I love to be able to do that, and I'm not driving the dude next to me on stage nuts because all he's hearing is like this organ chord for you know or chords for you know right. half a song and knowing that you can trust front of house to to get your organ oh, at yeah. the right level out there oh yeah and you can just scream into your own ears uh that's got to be so comforting yeah stereo mixes in the ears are fantastic as well especially as a keyboard player if you got great stereo patches in your keyboard and you're like hearing them in your ears it's like night and day yeah because if you got especially Leslie. even if you have these like fantastic yeah and if you have these like you know fantastic you know piano stereo piano patches on your keyboard and then they and then you got this like you know crappy eon hundred yeah 150 dollar <laughs> you know wedge that you're like playing through yeah. every night it kind of like well you know what's the point i mean i guess out front it's gonna sound the way but like you as a player lose the fun or the like you know so, enjoyment of it so we're we're in an unfortunate spot to where our our venues aren't big enough to where i can ever trust a monitor mix so i always travel with my qsc k8 okay and i run it i sum my keyboards right there with a mixer that i put into a box so i can always give the front of house guy one line yep because they don't always want to take two lines from the keyboard player so i had been doing that for a minute as well and when i rehearse you know at home i still run my stuff through a mixer and do everything and we spoke about this the other day. Uh, when we first started, I mean, it took until... So we played in for four years before I went with the Nord. I went with the Nord, and then... <laughs> that's a whole other story. I went with the Nord and then ended up with a second Nord. But for four years <laughs> up to that, it's <laughs> um, a sad situation. Um, so before that, I had a, a multitude of, of different things, and I ran main stage for like a little while, too, and... and um, and so I 
was carrying a mixer with me and doing it the same exact way, you know? And here was this thing that, again, when I said I wanted to play keys, it was like, man, I don't want to have to carry stuff around. Yeah. And then I just ended up carrying more and more and more and more. So I rolled around one of those Roland four channel monsters and that channels just went like one by one by one by one went away like you know there's always a problem with those you know so uh streamlining to that sense for me like kind of changed yeah you're as streamlined as possible two nords yeah and the reason i have to so i will tell the story since i just brought it up the reason I have to, I only really need That's one. Redundancy. Anybody only needs one. If your Nord fails, you have another Nord. But if you have two, you might as well use them both, right? Of course. So, um, the, 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 the four, which was the first one I had, obviously, um, we went to go play. We went to go to Paris for the very first time. So this was 2016. We went to Paris. We played at the Afropunk Festival in Paris. Fantastic. Afropunk is a beautiful festival. Hopefully we're playing it this year. Um, in New York. Uh, but we took a flight that went through the night basically. And we landed early in the morning in Paris and, and we were going to go straight to a TV show and do a taping, even though we had like a couple hours in there, like, like we we're going to go ahead and Uber or cab. I don't remember what we did to, to this station. And we got there and the guys that were like going to set up all the sound stuff weren't there. They were like, you guys can go ahead and set up. Like we had to rent equipment and stuff, Whoa. you know? So like all the stuff was there, percussion stuff and the drum stuff. And there was, I brought a keyboard with me. I brought my four with me and I had a Korg SV1, I believe there mm. as well. Right. And I love those. I had They're those. beautiful. We'll talk about that later. Um, so, <laughs> so they were like, you guys can go ahead and set your stuff up and the guys will be in here in a little bit. So I set up, my shit <laughs> and i had a conversion for my keyboard because of the you know the power 220, yeah. yeah the power difference so i had this like you know plug straight out of the box and i just kind of set it on top of my keyboard and i hung like all my cords were kind of hanging there coiled up ready to be plugged in the di's and ready to be plugged into you know power but I hadn't plugged it into my guy yet, you know, to do the conversion. Right. And I hadn't switched it the proper way. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, I'm set. So when they get here, all I got to do is come in and like, so I go and take a nap. I'm like, I'm tired. It's, you know, just got off a flight. Some people went to go eat and I was like, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm just going to take a little rest. So I go and I take a little rest and I wake up and I go into the studio and my stuff is plugged in ready to go and they had plugged it in and turned on the keyboard and blew my everything both keyboards no the top one because theirs was on european yeah but mine wasn't switched oh so and you'd brought your nord right you didn't bring your sv1 no they okay. had an sv1 had an that SV1. we, we okay. rented it okay. i think and so they they blew my keyboard you know and i was just like oh. like what do you do man like, I was just like, oh, I was trying to be calm. The guys in the band were just like, dude, you need to chill. I was like, man, what do I do? So then I'm, you know, I'm just stuck. So I played the whole, we played like, I, I don't know if we did a whole set, but, you know, so I have to play this SV1 and I have to play, I mean, the SV1s don't have the greatest organ on them. No, terrible. 
And uh, I mean, no Leslie to, to speak of. Right. And, and it's also weighted and the whole nine. So I was just like, not a happy camper for that. So I ended up bringing it home and I, I actually sent it to Bamel TV in Houston. They're like one of the yeah. only like, you know, Nord people in town. So I sent I it to them. them. I sent it to them and they sent it off. They did a good job with it. And, uh, because we had to go out, it was like, well, I'm going to go ahead and get a five, you know? And so I ended up getting the five and then the, got four, the, four, the, four, the four came back and, that, and I've got both. Okay. So it was kind of like one of those, you know, like with gear like that, you know, it's like, you know, I could always kind of move it around and, you know, use yeah. it, use it or not use it. But I'm kind of like the person of, eh, well, might as well go ahead and use it. And the Nords, they bring the, uh, they bring the AC directly in. There's no transformer. Power supply, right? Yep. So the transformer would be built inside of the internal. Yeah. You'd have to take it all apart to yeah. diagnose that. So do you tweak your settings on the Nord? Do you use a lot of stock patches? So I do use stock stuff. I do like... Uh, do you I, preset or do you grab knobs as you're playing? I, I grab knobs while I'm playing. I use the EQ a lot, you especially do. for pianos and stuff. Like uh, uprights. Like I really... I mean, doing reggae music and other kinds of stuff, like I really like a boxy like like kind of like funky weird sounding you know piano i don't like the like you know like the grand pianos and stuff that are on the nord i tend to like stay away from really i heard they're yeah. great they are good but i i'm kind of the i kind of like more of the like gritty sort of you know and sort in of live sound. you want it to cut right exactly so you probably throw an amps on your pianos um <laughs> not, not not on the pianos but i do use i do i do uh, like to use yeah, the amp sounds for yeah, yeah. for the for the electrics and stuff oh, and course, even yeah. even in the organs um i'll i'll play with you know my eq a lot and and uh while, like even even while i'm playing you know and and, and i find with that particular keyboard, it's a struggle with the band actually because, like, with my four, it's a little better on my five, even though they should be the same. There's just enough different about it. But my electrics, if I have my when I'm in my EQ for anything electric piano wise on the four, it can, if I'm not careful with it, it can become um, muddy. You know, even though to me it sounds fantastic, you know what I mean? It could become muddy in monitors and in the house mm -hmm. sometimes to other folks. Is there a sweepable mid on, on there? Is it, yeah. is it a fixed frequency? Yeah. On both it's sweepable? Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. That's important. Um, and, and it's a global, right? The EQ on the Nords, it's global or can you apply it to only one patch? Uh, but it, you're it, never splitting, so it doesn't no, matter, does yeah, it? Yeah, it's just you know, it's just there. It's just for me, it's just either on or off. But if you switch patches, since the the rheostats for the EQ are they're not digital. Oh, it stays. Yeah, it, it stays. stays. So yeah. you have to. So if you go from a piano to an organ, you'd have to yeah. put your EQ back to whatever yeah. you want it yeah. to be for the organ. Yeah. So it's kind of. So you got to be on the fly with it. For so sure. it's kind of designed as like a global thing. Yeah. Like to accommodate for a shitty sound system or something, but yeah. you're using it more as an effect. Yeah. And then yeah. same with the reverb, right? Yeah. Isn't the reverb global on there too? Or maybe on the four, maybe the fives. I, I believe so. I used to read those manuals yeah. for fun. Anyway, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, never, never got annoyed though, man. I've actually made my main stage so comfortable, but it's, it's, it's really vulnerable having your computer on stage. Yeah. And that's why I also bring a, um, I have a Casio PX5S 88 key. It's, it's great keyboard, but I use, I use that MIDI out into main stage but i also have that ready to go if main stage crashes 
Okay. So you have that redundancy. Right. But I don't know, like if I was touring like you, I don't even know if I would really trust having main stage work every single night. <laughs> yeah. I, there was a point in there where I was running, um, I think it was a, I think it was an Akai, but I had my iPad in that oh, thing. Man. And so like I was running Animoog and I was running, I don't remember what the organ, the organ Galileo. Uh, Galileo. I was running <laughs> Galileo. So, like, I'd be in the middle of it, it was just like yeah. ripping organ thing, and it, the whole thing would just like stop. Oh. And so, I ended up, um, I had a, uh, I remember being on the road, and it's like the thing that I had, right? And so, I had this, uh, like a clamp, you know, like a, like a, like a for, for lumber, you know, like for, yeah, yeah, you know, C like, clamp. Yeah, yeah. I, so I had that as the same one. So I had, I had yeah. my, my, my iPad like, like clamped on that way from the front, like tacky as hell. I, I used to have that same But setup. I had, but I had to like, I had to like make it work that way. I actually liked Galileo. Galileo's not yeah, bad. It wasn't fun. I mean, and if you're playing, you know, if you're actually here with it, it like isn't that bad. It's and, not bad. And Animoog was like a lot of fun to just like jack around with. That was like something like that would always come out at like band practice, you know, like when we're like, you know, after smoke breaks and stuff like that. And everybody's just kind of like hanging out. Like Animoog became like a, 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 a crowd favorite, not necessarily for just myself, but like, you know, everyone else in the bunch, you know, yeah. and they're like hop up on that thing. And it was like something that was fun to like jack around with. So Animoog, I'll have to try that. Animoog out. was the app. Yeah. So you, um, now that we know your rig, what what type of tricks do you use on stage? Like, what where do they originate from? Like, mean? just when you're improving, when you're soloing, when you're just filling in, comping. Like, where did where did this come from? That's the hardest part for me, learning what to do and when not to play. Uh, that's always the struggle for me because I'm constantly like learning in a creative aspect of being a keyboard player. I mean, I'm classically trained. You know, that's what I did when I was a kid. And then I ended up playing marimba for so long in the four mallet sense, right? Ooh, yeah. So, and I taught theory as a part writing teacher. So I also taught with four notes being hmm. like a thing. So I think in a sense of here and there immediately, like is like the way my brain functions, which is bass note, four notes or five notes up here. So in my creativity, I, like I'm always like trying to figure out what's the best way to like voice chords, you know. Um, but initially, with things like a lot of the things on the first record, a lot of the things when we first start playing, especially to being starting as a reggae, you know, band, like you know, I got chord, chord, you know, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in my bubbles and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but then doing more uh, R and B and pop sort of stuff. I'm just constantly like trying to reach out and just make things pretty and not be redundant. I try not to like do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over, which is what's great about not playing the reggae stuff so much. Not like no slights yeah. reggae because I'm like no, full no, no. on. No, I understand. Um, but yeah, yeah, being able to like sort of step out of that realm a little bit, all it all it has done is make me realize that okay well i mean i can play this c minor seven you know <laughs> one way but there's a hundred ways that i could play it you know yeah. what i mean and that's the thing i try and seek out other people when i'm like talking to other you know keyword players like even zeke listen to me, you know it's like you know 
you play this thing a certain way. And I swear to God, we're playing the same notes, but damn, like, I just can't, like, it just doesn't work the way I'm like doing it. Um, so I try to sort of just be different every time I'm like coming to a new song, at least. Do you base it off of anything that you've learned or are you just, um, coming up with it and trying it out your, I, on I'm your own. Kinda you just fly, I'm just kind of flying, you know. Because you can read, right? I can read. Not yeah. read and write, but you can read music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Uh, and and do, you, do you read what other guys are doing? Like Keyboard Mag or? Not so much. I probably no. should. Yeah, yeah. Because I've, uh, I've looked on there and it's, it's a lot of what other guys are doing, but it's all written out on staff. So I've been trying to learn to write. Uh, do you think, do you think that would help yeah. uh, up and coming people? Yeah. What's, what's funny theory? is that there are other people that I worked with that I've seen and then you like ask them about it. It's funny. That I, I need to look that up because, you know, some keyboard players, you like start asking what about, you know, a man, if I could just like see it on paper, what you were doing. And they're like, yeah. hey, but I want you to know my tricks. So, you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like a like, kind of like a magician, like showing you how they did their, you know, magic trick. It's like, you know, something that they're like, nah, I don't know about that. Um, but, uh, I don't know, man. I just, I, I just try to go and like, you know, do the do the best I can. Honestly, I love to sit at the piano and like the way I teach myself is like, you know, I'm I'm uh, like right now I'm not in like a a proficiency practice sort of zone. I'm in like a theory practice sort of zone. Like I tend to like 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 I'm trying to work on my ears and the way that I'm like moving from chords to different chords and trying to feel a little bit more comfortable to like, you know, for me doing the practice that I've been doing in that helps with my like chord voicing and, and like even like chord melodies and things like that, that I'm able to do like a lot more now than when we started, you know, seven years ago and all I was playing was, you know, bubbles yeah. the whole time, you know? And now it's like, you know, instead of like sitting there and playing scales, although, you know, it was like a good thing to play scales and modes and all that sort of stuff, but I'll sit there and I'll like run through like a series of like, you know, like I'll, I, like one of the things I like to do is like start, you know, so I'll start in C and I'll play, you know, one, five and make five then to one. So I'll go like C to, C to F, and then F to B flat, B flat to E flat, B flat uh, to A, A to D flat, D flat to G. You know what I mean? Just kinda, circle. And just go through the whole circle and then be able to do it minor, major, uh, dominance, okay. the whole nine. Even if it doesn't functionally like yeah, appeal yeah, right. to the ear. It's not a song. Like for me, it's a way for me to like say, okay, well, here's a way if I'm moving from this chord to this chord. And then I'll do it. I'll do the same thing. I'll do a series of like two, five, ones and like just kind of like. That's, that's brilliant. Just, just that. Like, you know, I'm sure there are books that like kind of have all that stuff too, but that's the kind of stuff like when I'm sitting, I'm setting up and I'm waiting for soundcheck, that's the kind of stuff that I like run through. I mean, there was a moment where I'm like, you know, I feel like I need to work on all my proficiency here and I need to like just run through, you know, every, you know, Dorian, you know, scale for yeah. everything or whatever, you know, uh, I'm going to do another Mixolydian, you know, goes on this chord. And that's probably stuff I should work on as well, too. And I don't, I'm not knocking it. But like for me, the comfort of rolling through cycles of chords make my ear better. And they also, like I said, as a learning sort of keyword player in the sense of um, how do I voice things and what, what am I, what, 
like I just want to uh empower myself to like have more in my in my arsenal to be able to like mm-hmm. know what chord is gonna fit in this sort of place. And there are things that you're learning in your sleep that you don't realize and, yeah. and learning as you're playing that you don't yeah. realize in the subconscious. Yeah. So I think yeah, just jumping into the fire is a, a lot of it. But yeah. I came from um I came from a piano bar background. Okay. So I was playing I, I'm from Beaumont, Texas. And I was playing uh, all around town, just request, just bullshitting the crowd, you know, just figuring out the closest chord progression or whatever they're requesting. And so I, I came from a background of bullshit. So then I fast forward a few years, I'm in a band now. And I was in a band before this, but the one now, and, and you're actually having to keep your left hand out of things. Because, you know, I'm, all, I'm used to doing bass lines and things with my left hand. Yeah. So that's where all of this came about is I was looking for resources. What are the pros doing? Yeah. You know, you watch guys like, you know, Tom Petty's Ben Montage. He's one of my favorites. Okay. Just because I love, I love how simple he is on the organ, but it, if he knows exactly when to play and when to not play. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you'd be watching guys like that. And I'm just like, what are they doing? And you, you, there's no explanation and there's just no resources. So uh, what would you advise uh, someone coming up, you know, to, to go do? Join a band or just... I mean, I don't think there's ever anything wrong. I don't ever think there's anything wrong with joining a band. But the beautiful yeah. thing about things nowadays is there is some stuff I like, you know, like just being able to sit and watch. I mean, there's so many like, you know, these like tutorial videos, like yeah. you know, that you can watch nowadays that was not there when I, you know I was a kid. If it was there, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I'd probably be I wouldn't have hated playing piano as much as I did but, when I was a young kid. Those will show you how to emulate other songs, and but they won't necessarily show, show you, you what to, to do at a gig. At a, PA's going in and out, and you know <laughs> people are complaining that your wedge is too loud, and just all these little things that, that factor into what is being a, a live right musician, yeah. live keyboard player. Yeah. Is we live in a guitar world too. Yeah, you know, tons of guitar resources. Yeah, everything's guitar center. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's I, I just think this is fun and and much needed. But, um, yeah, so you, you do advise learning to read. Um, I, you know, it's, it's funny because, you Should know, I, I, I do say yes. I do advise people to be able to read. You know what I mean? Um, I, it's funny. I had a conversation with, with a colleague of mine yesterday. Um, one of the things I'm working on as a musician is to, like, try and become a better, like, music director. You know, so outside of playing, I'm trying to, like, ask you know, for some resources of, 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 uh, like, you know, you know, I, I was taught how to play piano, you know, from a young age with a piano teacher and I was taught how to play drums and percussion in school and from a teacher, but like how, who teaches you how to like really direct a, a band, you know what I mean? Or how, be able to come in and be, you know, hired as, you know, some sort of, you know, I'm in charge of this whole like sort of thing. And in that conversation with him, uh, I said, and this kind of applies to what you're talking about, that some of the best musicians that I've ever played with can't read a lick of music, but they know just as much as, you know, the first chair of, you know, the concert master of the Houston Symphony. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't like take away. And some of the good best musicians are also the ones that can kind of like bridge the gap between both, you know, being able to, um, I mean, I try and do something like that because I'm a multi-instrumentalist at this point, but, um, like people who can like 
show up and play, you know, the, you know, hardest trumpet, you know, classical trumpet piece, but then can go sit in with like a wicked jazz band and just like rip, you know, like nasty solos in the whole nine, you know, that's a special kind of player. And I think being able to read is only part of becoming like a good musician because I feel like being able to listen is like all, you know, it, 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 it all kind of like goes together. Right. So, I mean, I can say, yeah, it'd be good. You know, it, you know, being able to read and like sitting there and like playing that kind of stuff, it, it's like, I hurt you, but man, yeah, being, it, being able to just like sit down and like play it is like something special. You know, and and some people just have it, and some people are never gonna have it. Right. But it can be like it is. It is something that can sort of be learned. You know. Yeah. Because yeah, I've looked through your Instagram, and I've seen like you've had some notation. And, yeah. Like in hotel rooms or whatever. Yeah. So uh, I was I was just made me think in that direction because most of the guys I know can't read. Yeah. Even the greats, but I think that would be a nice tool to have. Yeah. Just to be able to communicate. Yeah. And to and to jot down because when I when I have an idea, I have to get out my phone or a recorder and record it but if i had a pen and a piece of paper maybe i could just uh, write down the thought well and then there's also there's a whole other conversation with that and this is something again i was talking with this guy yesterday about it's like the difference between being able to actually sit and manuscript paper it and then like nowadays you know you just get your mini controller and play yeah. in the sibelius and you're ready to rip you know what i mean like yeah. as far as the writing goes you know there's like a there's an art that is sort of being lost in there, you yeah. know, and a lot of composers and writers that grew up, grew up sort of studying to be that will tell you that, you know, there are like definitely things that I'd rather just like kind of like jot down instead of having to pull my laptop out and like do the whole nine, you know, type yeah, stuff. Yeah, do you have one of these guys? Let's see. I do not have one of those, but oh, I man, should have one great. of those. And I have the uh, I have the adapter to go to my phone's lightning jack. Yeah. So I have I just launched GarageBand on my phone, and, and I just be, like regular like rip. Be, you know, stuck in traffic and like yeah, dude, <laughs> that's, right. no, that's awesome. That's awesome. But uh, these are man, these are fun. And yeah. you can like with main stage, I can assign these to different patches. Yeah, there you go. And so you can run samples and stuff on them too. Run samples, but uh, like yeah, just switching. I could have this many patches, just nice. without having to shuffle through them. Yeah. I've done a lot with this. It's I think I got it for thirty bucks on Reverb. Nice, very man. nice to have. Yeah, very nice to have. But um, yeah. So that's that saved me. But yeah. So I guess uh, we'll we'll wrap it up here soon. I want to ask you your dream rig. What would it consist of? Well, that's what I was saying if, earlier. If like you had a, a bus that could carry around anything you wanted and guys to set it up. Um, I definitely have a V three. Leslie, cab. That would be sure. front and center. But that would that would be right in the middle. Okay. And then I'd love to have um, a, a rose with speaker, you know, underneath, you know, uh, so, you know, a seventy three maybe, and just an upright of some sort, but a nasty one. You know what I mean? Like a like like I told you, I like I tend to, you know, I I wouldn't want real stuff. You know, I'm not necessarily. You know, if if I could have it my way, I'd want real piano, Rhodes, and maybe a Whirly as well. Um, real B3. It'd be nice to have, like, I love those pianos that people have that they, like, fold in half. You know what I'm oh, talking yeah, about? Oh, yeah, those. travel I've ones. Those. Yeah. those are really rad, too. So something like that. You know what I mean? I'm real simple so you, with you'd it. you'd go organ, 
uh, electromechanical like uh, Wurlitzer yeah. or Rhodes. Are you a Rhodes or Whirly guy? If you had to both, choose, both, both. Ah, you know what if I mean. You had one. Rhodes. 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 Okay. Yeah. It's a little more sparkle. Tremolo. Yeah. A little more sparkle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then a B3 with a, with a Leslie. Uh, if you had to have either a real B3 and a Leslie simulator or a fake B3 and a real Leslie, what would you choose? A good fake B3. A good, a good clone wheel, but a real Leslie. Oh, man. I don't know. If you had to, if you had to choose one of those two setups. Probably the, real, probably the real organ. The real organ. Yeah. With the Leslie simulator. Yeah. Have you used any Leslie simulators? Like the, um, what was that pedal that everyone was using for? Oh, man, ventilator. the little stompbacks. Yeah, the yeah, I've used those before. They're, yeah. You know, they're cool. But you're I, happy with the Nords? You know, uh, as happy as I can be, yeah. you know, and, and they're also, you know, they're people I've bumped across and been on the road. I mean, you can still run those things through, Leslie, you know. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to carry that. There goes your portable rig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but <laughs> I, there's, a, there's a band in, in Philadelphia that we've played with, and rehearsed at their little rehearsal studio. And this, this guy carries around an Electro 3 with him. That's like his rig. He's a yeah. great, great player. And he carries around. King Leslie cabinet with him everywhere he goes, wow. even though he's got this like, and it's, it's the small, you know, um, uh, Nord. It's not like the even, not even like the 61, like me, it's the even smaller one. And he's like, you know, rolling with this like big, huge, like yeah. Leslie cab. You so know? He would, he would take that option over the, uh, yeah, I mean, they're playing like, it's like a garage rock sort of group. So they're yeah. like, you know, crushing it with you know, doing it that way. And he'll play, I mean, that's just his amp. You know what I mean? So he's playing piano through it and everything through it. So that's but. oh, so he's yeah, so he's, it's his rig. It's like he's his Doppler affecting his piano. Yeah, yeah. I know the uh, I know a couple of bands like the Stones did that on Exile on Main Street. They ran their guitar through a Leslie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sounds kind of cool. Well, guitar through a Leslie is you know but that is a thing, like, right? Uh, yeah, like yeah, like Charlie a... Hunter. He like the guitar player. He he he. There's a lot of great records that he's. Yeah playing through those Leslie, pe- you know, those Leslie pedals, cool. you know, type stuff. He does a whole, uh, there's an old Charlie Hunter record that I Charlie love. Hunter. That's uh, check this guy. Uh, out. He, do- he does the whole Natty dread record. Uh, Marley, that old Marley record. He does the whole record, but like, it's like a, I don't know if it's his tree or a quartet. Anyway, Charlie Hunter plays uh bass. He plays like a eight string guitar, I think eight string guitar. Right. So he's playing bass and guitar all at the same time. Huh. So it's, it's great though, because, because he's the way he plays having that Leslie, you know, it just like for his vibe, it like works. And I'm sure his is just a pedal that he's running through, but you know, it does really like work for, you know, his, his sort of stuff. I'm going to check it out. Well, if you're going to look for one, Natty Dread is a good one. Yeah, that he's yeah. got out. All right. Got it down. Cool. So if you were if you were stuck with one uh, keyboard instrument for the rest of your life and all others would be gone, <laughs> just for That's for life, hard. for life, both for uh, life. both in your band and in your personal life. Man, I think I no. I think I still just want my upright piano, brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? Makes sense. Like you know, like. It's like my, I, I, I can't be the only one, you know, so just like having <laughs> that special instrument that you kind of had, you know what I mean? Forever. It's like, I, I don't know. That'd probably be. And do you have, or did you ever have like patch OCD where you always felt like there's a better patch you could be using or you could tweak it better? Definitely. Do you still suffer from that? Yeah. 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 
Just yeah. like, uh, or when you see another guy playing on the same rig as or something similar to you, and you're just like, God damn, why does that? So those those CDs as a common feeling. Yeah, I'm not the only one. No, I'm always like, I'm always wanting to spend more time programming patches and actually practicing theory. Right. Yeah, and it needs to be. I think it needs to be like sixty forty, or maybe like eighty twenty. Eighty practice, twenty program your patches. But yeah, um, yeah. I just need to. You just got to fight through it. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Just use what you got. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So you guys, uh, you're off on another leg of your tour, right? You got the cruise coming up. So we're going on the Capital Jazz Cruise next week, and then we come home for just a couple of days and then we're doing a sort of um uh, south and east coast little run in february uh and then we come home for a little bit uh and then i am dem is playing with us so when, uh we're doing i'm i'm doing a solo thing um with my friend uh, Willie uh, Camaro from the Stingers. I used to play in a band called the Stingers mm-hmm. as a drummer, reggae or rock steady band. So that's the show that we're kind of doing together. So it's Bandulus and and uh, and Will Roy Black and the Boss is the name of that group, which is something I've kind of played drums and tons of the keys on 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 any of the recording. We're gonna put a recording out as well. I should know this. Where's where's this gig? We're playing at Continental Club. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah in March, in okay. March, yeah. I'm so glad to know that we're playing so with you. So, Will, 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 Will Roy Black and the Bosses is, is me and, cool. and my friend Willie's, like, constant studio project. And so, it's, again, some of the stuff that ended up kind of becoming suffers things, you know, because I've always done reggae. It's more in the dub sense of things. Um, I do some vocal stuff. And when we've done shows in the past, I've played keys uh this time around my friend esteban who uh is in the steady 45s in la and is now playing keys with this band the interrupters um is gonna come out from la and come play with me he's a great keyboard player great. esteban flores so um so i've got that going on and then we go out and do west coast so i mean we're basically doing east coast and then west coast so in february we do kind of like up up back into the east coast and then in march we do kind of going out towards california and up up into you know and you just got back from months on the road right we did theory corporation yeah run. Yeah, yeah. yeah how it's was that great it's a great group man i love that group. really really great uh group of folks um we played some really really great rooms um it was, a, it was a room tour kind of. I a, mean, we were playing some intimate. great theater. No, we were playing theaters. Oh, theaters a lot of the places were like big rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, specifically towards the end of the little run there, um, a lot of sold out shows. Great. Uh, lot, we ended up doing kind of the whole country and we ended up doing a few extra um, because um, Julian Marley was going to be be one of the people that was touring with them and we had already agreed to do a certain amount of their tour i think they did a whole two months um and something happened i want to say something happened family-wise with him and he was just like he needed to stay Uh where he was at so he decided to like kind of say hey i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna do these runs um and so we did a few extra shows, like even in Texas, it sucked because we didn't get to do the Houston show <laughs> when we played San Antonio. Like it was like, it was like sucks. It was like, couldn't even do the one in Houston. It just, uh, it, just it was like last minute. So it like just yeah. wouldn't, didn't work out, but that was a really fun 
fun little show because you got a band like Thievery Corporation that incorporates like a lot of different styles of stuff. Very eclectic. Yeah, they do. Like, you know, they kind of came from that like trip hop, like late 90s, like Massive Attack-ish air kind of era. But they do a ton of reggae stuff and their vocalists are just crushing it every night. So were y'all rolling together a lot of the time or would y'all just meet up at the shows? We'd meet up at the shows. Go your own way. You know, as as the tour kind of went along, we started becoming like, you know, you start meeting people, you start becoming friends, we started hanging out. And and, uh, for us, it's just like a really cool vibe to be able to... um, you know, tour the group like that, but they, you know, they're rolling in a couple buses and like, yeah. Uh, you know, are, are y'all all ten rolling to, or eight rolling together? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We're rolling in a van and a trailer in the states. When we go to Europe, we tend to get a bus. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of shows that we fly in and out of, and so it just kind of depends what it is, you know. One of those Mercedes vans type thing. It's a it's a Sprinter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So it's big. It's you know, it's not as bad and as then it you, seems. You stay in hotels. We're always staying in hotels. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know. I always picture a touring band sleeping in their their mode of transportation, but you. I've yeah. done my fair share of that, but <laughs> yeah, luckily sure. the suffer. Luckily the sufferers have never like you know. And what's funny is that like um, that's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's like uh, you get weary about you know when you're used to staying in in hotels or whatever and then you kind of like look at we use a thing called master tour that kind of like breaks everything down so you kind of like look at master tour and it's like the lodging for this place is like somebody's house and you're like ah this can't be good and then it ends up being like Like, some like super rad place that like uh, you know like there's a reason that you're like staying at this like person's house so luckily we're we're we've been blessed to like you know be doing well with that sort of stuff so well, that's exciting, Pat. I uh, want to thank you again for man, Thank you for having me. For this coming. is fun, man. This is fun. Yeah. Hopefully one of many. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're welcome Any- anytime, of course. Thank you. Thank I, you. Uh, yeah, I want to keep this going, you know. Yeah. No no set man, frequency. I w- no, yeah, I wish you no luck, No rhyme, man. no reason. I wish you luck. Yeah, it's just fun, you know. It's and it's good, free. It's it, it doesn't resource. cost anything. Yeah. Logic and a couple microphones and Sweet. some good coffee, and that's, yeah. that's about it. Yeah. But thanks, man. You'll be a mumble rapper in no time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Patrick Kelly with the Suffers. All right. Thanks again, Thank brother. Thank you. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the Patrick Kelly. Told you he was phenomenal. Anyway, hopefully you enjoyed the first episode of the podcast as much as I did. I learned a ton from Pat Kelly, and hopefully uh, we'll have him on soon again. Uh, please visit the website morekeyspleasepodcast.com where you'll find all of the uh, resources pertaining to this podcast. Of course, you can download it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And uh, I hope to get these things out once every two weeks. I have some really fun episodes coming up. I have a boogie-woogie player, a Hammond player, a reggae keyboard player on a cruise ship, and a piano bar player in Aruba who also owns a dueling piano company back in the States and can play any song you want to hear. Uh, It was a pleasure. Thanks again, everybody. And thank you, Pat, for being on the show. 